Welcome to the Calm Nights, Strong Days podcast. With over 30 years in the health and wellness industry, I've realized there's no one-size-fits-all solution for sleep and stress resilience. What affects one person's sleep and ability to handle stress is different for each of us. The stage of life you're in, work and home stressors, your DNA, genetics, upbringing, social life, and more all affect how your body handles stress and your quality of life. Join me as we explore a variety of tools, strategies, and solutions I've employed with clients over the years in solo episodes, as well as insightful interviews and experts. Together, we'll unravel more pieces of the puzzle, empowering you on your journey to calm nights and strong days. So let's dive into today's episode. I knew after last week's interview where we interviewed Simon Rennie that a conversation needed to be had beyond um, what he spoke of because what he talked about was so important for many of you who are, who are in burnout. In this episode, episode 11, we are going to be diving into a message that Simon did bring forth in that interview, which is that letting your voice be heard is a huge strategy for burnout prevention. If you missed the interview, I highly, highly recommend that you go back and listen to it. Simon talks about his burnout in the workplace and how he was able to communicate with his workplace environment, and he works for the um, public sector. So this is part of a sector that can be very set in their ways, not that other businesses can't, but it is one that is not really open to change. And he was able to make some changes in order to help him um, with his burnout and to recover. So definitely go and look at that. With that as well, something happened this week in our house where many of you know my husband is an officer and he is in the middle at the moment of transitioning from one position into another. And so he's essentially doing two jobs at the moment. His superiors, those who work above him, those who are managing him are amazing. And they will listen when my husband does ask for something. The thing is, is that my husband does not ask for things much. As with many of us who do get into burnout, what happens is we try to solve things on our own. We try to push and push. And my husband knew the other day I was pushing him. He already had made some changes. He was, so what happened was he is working in this big project where he was working Saturday night, which is Saturdays and Sundays are supposed to be his days off. He's working Saturday night from, ooh, when did he go in? I think he went just afternoon and he was going to get home around 11 uh, sorry, gets home after midnight, 1230-ish at night. And the thing is, is that he had to be up the next morning at 6 a.m. for another project that is going on pretty much every Sunday morning at the moment. 
I can't give details. It's, but it's a fascinating project that they're working on. And he has to do that at 6 a.m. So we're talking, he gets home around 12.30 and has to be up at six. That's five and a half hours of sleep. He, because of this project that he's doing in the evenings, it is occurring. These hours that he's working are, that go up until 12.30 or so at night are occurring three to four times a week. Uh, for this week, for next week, possibly for a couple of more weeks down the road, it really depends. Um, that job I can tell you about, that is doing all of the security um, from a policing perspective um, and, and planning, like planning all of where, just if there ever is a terrorist attack, if um, and making sure that everybody is safe as well, but they have enough policing on staff for our playoffs. We have our hockey playoffs going on. We are grateful that our other team, our basketball team actually didn't make it, or he'd be working with two teams in the finals right now, which gets so busy on top of his day job. His day job is seven to three, managing all of the terrorist attacks um, or planning, planning for events, making sure that they are safe. And he has some pretty big events coming up. So from seven to three, that's what he's working on on top of these playoffs. And then this other job he's transitioning to at the moment is Sunday mornings. So this gets into, he also had another one of these uh, early, early morning starts uh, earlier this week as well in the middle of the week after another playoff game. So he's had a couple of, of times this week where he has from 1230 until like six in order to um, sleep. And studies have shown, I've spoke of this before, that when you get two hours less of sleep, you are 50% less um, combat ready if you were military. For police, that does make a difference as well and can make a difference between life or death for any first responder, anybody, front lines, medical staff, any of that, just two hours less sleep one night. But they get this on a regular basis. So these all add up. And my husband knows about the sleep. So he actually one night this week slept at the station because he knew there was such a slow turnaround, a short turnaround that coming home would have um, cost another two hours to transition, to get home, to uh, get his stuff all unpacked, get into bed and same thing, get himself up, get all packed again and get back to work. So that would have been a two hour transition that he gave himself two hours extra of sleep by sleeping at the station. So he is trying to work on this on his own, but with him, uh, very much, he does try to solve a lot of things on his own. He doesn't want to bother people because he does know as with many of you in all of your businesses, in, in, in any career that you have, you know that everybody else, all of your colleagues are working just as much as you. He knows as well, these um, sergeants and staff sergeants that are working above him are working their butts off as well. Many of them are on are coming to these events um, just as he is and doing the same hours. So Having a voice sometimes is hard too when you know that everybody else is also pushing as much as you. And when we start thinking about this as well, we, this leads into sometimes upper level management is hard to deal with. And if we take the step back and look at it from a burnout perspective, many of them are burnt out. The higher that you go, you are pulled more, you usually have people under you, you're working with teams under you. 
but you also have people above you telling you what and how you have to do things as well. That there's, depending on your personality, depending on the position you're in as well, determines how much flexibility you have as well as to what you can do. My husband's um, leadership team is amazing at working with everybody and trying to think out of the box and trying to do the best for everybody. That being said, if you don't voice things to them, they will not also know that some things are an issue. They may also know they are an issue, but because you're not saying things, they have so much on their plate that they're like, okay, they're not saying things. So I don't have to deal with this right yet, even though I know it's an issue. And, and I, I know that this is an issue, but, but there's so many other things that I'm going to choose something else because somebody's not using their voice. Another thing as well is that I do know some of uh, sometimes my husband's leadership staff does say, you know what, come in later. Like instead of coming in at 7 a.m., if they know he's been up really late or work like 12, 15 hours the day before, they will say, duck out early or come in later and stuff the next day. But my husband at times knows how much is on his plate. He knows how much work he has to do preparing for these other events. He doesn't want to let everybody down. He also has this real drive. Um, he pushes himself and sets a standard for himself to do things to a certain level, which many of you do. And, and he feels that he can't. His boundaries, he's not setting as well. The boundaries for himself, because he's looking at this from a day-to-day -day perspective. And that's where we need to stop at times and, and take that step back and look at this from a long-term view, look at this from a 30-foot thousand view. Studies do show in businesses, any business, that if you're continually working on this month's KPIs, that's what Simon spoke of often, KPIs, your key performance indicators, if you're looking at what these goals are, so for my husband at this moment, it is these operational um, trainings that are happening on Sunday mornings. It is the playoffs that are going on and all of his other events that he has to do in the next month or two. That's all short term stuff. And short term, we stop and we think, oh, yeah, I can do this. I can push. I can push through these playoffs. These playoffs only happen once a year. I can push through these operations. These operations are pretty cool that he's working on, and I would not want to miss out if I was him. Um, so, and, and they're just so phenomenal for this position he's getting into that it would be a shame to miss on these. And he does have all of these other events coming up. So do all of his colleagues. Thing is, is that certain people's events are a bit further away than others. Some, there's only certain people. So there were only a couple of them on these playoffs. So my husband has used his voice um, and others have spoken up as well where they're getting other people. Um, I even know his, um, his leadership team has even brought this up after last year's playoffs that they need to have more than two people doing these playoffs because it's 
crazy for two of them to be doing these plans, which takes about 12, 15 hours before each game to plan out, plus executing during the games. So sometimes it is speaking up and asking leadership like, hey, next time we do this, next time this happens um, for a certain project, is there a way that we can add something in or uh, get some more people on board so it's spreading things out and not burning everybody out? And these are things that can't go into fruition. So they're starting to bring in more people for the next week of games. Sorry. I did not bring my water. I'm going to pause this a sec. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. Thanks for that. So with like my husband has been making changes and he has used his voice in in some of this, but I've actually been pushing him a little bit more to use his voice even a little bit more between having both of these positions at this moment to be giving him uh to to use his voice to be saying hey you know when when one project is being given to him let them know just let them know that you also have this other project and you can phrase things like hey i already have this one project booked in here during this time i have that this that gives me this many hours in between shifts, or it gives me, let's say, even in another business scenario, you can say, I have these projects. This project um, will take me this many hours a day to work on in order to get it done by this date. This other project is going to take me this amount of time in order to do and have done by this date i'm in the office only this many hours which one would you like me to focus on which one would you like done by the date that you've set for me and so you're what you're doing is you're putting you're giving them control of choosing how this should play out there's a special technique with this this is um, actually, something that I've learned through a book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. There is a way to use your voice in a way that allows the other party to feel in control and to allow the other party to help with solutions to a problem that you're having without putting them on the defensive. And the book, Never Split the Difference, Chris Voss is actually a former FBI hostage negotiator. And when he would go into hostage negotiations, the criminals, the ones doing the, um, I don't even know what to call it, the criminals, the criminals are the ones that if they don't feel like they're in control, that's when trouble happens. So they have to, they had to learn how to speak in a way that helped these criminals feel like they were all, always in control. And meanwhile, the hostage negotiators were leading the conversation. 
And so he uses a lot of these techniques and skills now to teach business, to teach sales and business. This book has been phenomenal. I also did their course, which was, um, he has he has a course that I've done. In order to learn it more, I use it with my kids in order to negotiate um, anything that you have to do negotiations. I use it when I'm having conversations with my husband um, in order to bring him into conversations more and and allow him to have a voice in conversations. I it, it works so amazing. I use it on those who work for me. I use it with clients. I use it all of the time. It is such a phenomenal tool because it doesn't give that confrontation with somebody when there is a problem that is happening. And I just want to point out that like when Simon was talking about his story, he was vulnerable about how things are affecting him and what he could handle. And because of him being vulnerable, he was able to find some solutions. Because of him being vulnerable, um, the other party did listen. Now, this will not happen all of the time. There are some very toxic workplaces. The thing, though, that with Simon is that he first took the time to make sure that he was out of burnout. And it's important to make sure you're out of burnout before you make any huge changes in your workplace, but you do need to have conversations with your workplace in order to start getting out of burnout a little bit. You may find once you are out of burnout that you are more focused. You're able to get things done faster. You're able to be clearer. You're able to get the work done that that it has been presented to you. You may not be as frustrated by things. You may find that um, your moods are more calm and easygoing and, and things aren't grating on you like they used to, and that you really do enjoy your work. You may find that joy for work again. You also may find after you've gotten yourself out of burnout that the job really isn't for you. The job isn't what brings you joy. The job isn't, um, it, it's, it's not something that you can do long-term and continue to stay out of burnout. The thing is, is that you do need to get out of burnout. You work, work on a lot of the strategies for getting out of burnout first to get you to a place to see if this is a job that you can stay in or you can't. But having these crucial conversation skills, having these voice, which brings me to another book called Crucial Conversations. <clears throat> crucial Conversations by Carrie Patterson. It is... You know what? I, I have it on audiobooks. It's not even available available on audio anymore. You may need to get it from your library. I'm not sure if it's in print anymore, but it's an amazing book called Crucial Conversations. It's about having conversations when, you know, things are at stake. When for these are great for relationships at home, relationships at work and business and gives you all kinds of um, scenarios and situations that you can use the crucial conversation skills he teaches. And that mixed with Chris Voss's Never Split the Difference um, book. Between those two, you can gain some amazing conversation skills that can start opening up some of the conversations in order to not put those who you need to speak with on the defensive. <clears throat> 
in order to have your voice heard in order to make change in the workplace. This can't happen if people are not having these conversations. This cannot happen if you do not use your voice. This does not mean go in and start yelling at them and telling them what they have to do. Nobody likes to be told what to do, nobody. But if you go in there and you use some of these skills that are in this book, you tell them what you're experiencing and what problems you're having and ask them for help in solving these problems, then they feel more like a collaborator in this and they feel like they can help. With police services, with teaching, there's so much that's going on that is stressful for all of you from a management point of view. And there are going to be things you can't change from really high up above. But my hope with first responder services is that the shifts and the sleep deprivation starts being given more um, serious review than it is given, that they actually take it very seriously as to how much sleep deprivation does play in the part of suicides, in the part of ethical mistakes, in the part of, of burnout, health issues, all kinds of things that are happening to all of our first responders, all of our frontline people. And um, my hope is that we can learn to have conversations in a way that are healthy. Most of us, I definitely did not learn how to have healthy conversations. I have had to learn, and I will say these two books have played a huge role in me learning and understanding how to have conversations as well as um, working on myself and my triggers. So working on your communication, making sure that it is in a way that is not putting the other party on the defensive and is getting all parties in a way to start trying to solve these problems as best as you can. There are definitely going to be things that can't be solved right away, but the more that you start working on the smaller things, the more that other solutions start popping up in order to start solving some of the bigger issues and struggles that are happening in your workplace. So use your voice, use it in a curious way, Use it in a calm way. Use it in a way that is going to build stronger bonds between the people that all need to make these decisions and to make the change. It really starts with one voice and you have that voice. Use it. If you're not going to use it, others are not either. It takes a village, but it starts with one. So I believe in you. Check out those books, Crucial Conversations by Carrie Patterson. I'll leave the links in the show notes. Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Highly, highly recommend both of them. Um, and take notes from Simon's interview from last week. We really need more voices to be heard in order for change to take place in this workplace, in order for burnout to start decreasing. We need more voices out there with viable solutions for your business. So whatever is happening at your workplace, we need viable solutions to be given to these people as well that they can actually start implementing right away. Small solutions, they add up. 
things that are tangible, ask them for something small. If they can do that, they'll maybe do something bigger the next time, right? If you go in and ask for big, you most likely won't get it, but start working with small changes to make your workplace better. And then as they start seeing those smaller changes, they will be more open to the bigger changes. So get out there, use your voice, be curious, non-aggressive in how you're having these conversations. Make sure you do have the good conversation skills that you can definitely expand on from those books. Check those links out below and keep an eye out. We have some more amazing interviews coming up of other burnout stories with very different um, stories of what got them into burnout, what got them out of burnout so that you can start seeing that there really isn't one solution and you can start finding the right solution for you. Go to our website, burnoutexpert.ca. On there, we have our, you can join our mailing list. You can get on our Facebook group, get into our LinkedIn. Um, we would love to be hearing from you. So post comments and email me, definitely. Let me know where your thoughts are. Let me know what you're doing and use your voice. You have a voice and you may think that people aren't hearing you, but if you use it in a way that is constructive, your voice will eventually be heard and more people will gain motivation from you.